You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 644 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Thursday evening, and the Atlanta Hawks are 1-0 after an impressive 117-100 victory up in Detroit over the Pistons. Um, Interesting game in a lot of ways, and we will dive into it in full. No real other news to talk about on this podcast, so it's a full deep dive breakdown into the game, and uh, that's something that we'll be doing throughout the season. So uh, buckle up and hold on, and uh, here we go. Talk about what happened. Um, I guess before the game started... The Hawks were about three-point favorites at the uh, sorry three-point underdogs at the open, and uh, by the time this game tipped off, they were only slight underdogs, like one or one point or one and a half points. I did predict on Twitter that I thought the Hawks were going to win this game. It kind of had all the makings. Detroit on the second ha- second half of a back-to-back. No Blake Griffin. The Hawks were nearing full strength when once Kevin Herter arrived back, and I uh, just kind of felt like the Hawks had a good advantage here, honestly, in the talent department from my uh, from my understanding. Obviously, Detroit, um, one thing that I have to say about from last season is that Andre Drummond had kind of had his way against the Hawks in last season's trio of games, but they were able to hold him in in check for the most part in this contest, and uh, top to bottom, the Hawks probably just had more talent on the floor, more force on the floor than the Pistons had in this game, and it showed through despite some uh, rocky moments at times in this contest. Um, early on, it was back and forth, uh, as you probably witnessed if you watched this game. Uh, the first bucket of the season belongs to Alex Len after a steal from Cam Reddish, so credit that to Alex Len for the first basket of the season. Um, early on in this game, the Hawks were actually guarding Reggie Jackson with Cam Reddish, and Trey Young was hidden a bit on Bruce Brown in the early going. A couple of comically bad shots, I thought, from Reggie Jackson, who was uh, definitely a helping force for the Hawks in the first half of this game, because he was really bad, but some good, def- good defense by Reddish uh, along the way as well. Young was also going under screens on Bruce Brown throughout the game, which I thought was a wise decision because he's not going to really burn you as a shooter. Um, there was, I guess, the first highlight of this contest was a Trey Young to John Collins alley-oop for a dunk that he really wound up for. I appreciated that about John Collins. After a timeout, the Hawks then uh, came out and uh, called today a tough floater, um, a tough shot from the floater range to go up by an 11-4 margin. And for the for the most part in this first half, the Hawks led for the vast majority of it, which we'll, we'll get to in a second. The one time that Detroit kind of took control was at a bad time for uh, the narrative. But uh, still, the Hawks played well offensively, particularly the entire first half and most of the game, honestly. Um Interestingly, on the uh, rotational side of things, it was kind of a mixed bag in the first half. I thought the second half, spoiler alert, was much better in terms of the rotation and having having it kind of make narrative sense to me. But the first half, Collins came out early. He was the first starter to go to the bench. They brought in Jabari Parker from there. Uh, it was Bruno Fernando as the backup center in this game. And they also went to Vince Carter before DeAndre Bembry and Kevin Herter in this contest, which is kind of interesting. He also played DeAndre Hunter at the two for a minute with Vince Carter, which was which is definitely something I didn't necessarily see, see coming in a lot of ways. Um, but the big story of the first half, honestly, was the play of Trey Young, as we bury the lead here a little bit on the podcast. Um, Young and Collins had 23 of the first 30 points for the Hawks, including 16 from Young in the early going. The Hawks led by 12 points at that point in time, and Young had 16 points and four assists in the first 10 minutes of action, including a very deep Trey Young uh, sort of trademark three to cap a big-time run there for the Hawks. Um, they, they did him no favors with, with, the, with the lineup at one point in time. He was playing alongside Bembry, Turner, Parker, and Fernando. Not great, necessarily, in terms of the uh, 
structure of that lineup offensively, but Trey had it going and, and nothing nothing else really mattered, honestly. There was a nice stretch from Jabari Parker, who had nine points in the first quarter. Uh, defensively, it was kind of a mixed bag, as you might expect, but he was uh, pretty effective really all night long, but especially in the second half of this game offensively. But Young played the whole fourth quarter. Sorry, the whole first quarter. After the game, Lloyd Pierce said that the plan was to not um, have him do that, but Trey just had it going so much that they ended up staying with him, and that made a lot of sense. Honestly, um, no Kevin Herter in the first quarter, but he actually com- came in at the beginning of the second quarter. But all told, the first quarter was really impressive offense. Of course, headlined by Trey Young, but a one fifty three point seven offensive rating in the first quarter with no turnovers and seventy two percent true shooting. Now that is absolutely lights out. You can't expect you can't expect that to happen necessarily all the time because. That's uh, just kind of crazy efficiency from this Hawks offense. But um, they, set, they set the table very early offensively, and that was a good sign for the team, obviously, in a big-picture sense. Uh, second quarter was a little bit more of a mixed bag, um, but, but at the same time, it was still the Trey Young show for the most part. Kevin Herter made his debut uh, to start the second quarter. He was the 11th player that actually appeared in this game, and they he had, they had him playing alongside Evan Turner. Um, looking ahead a little bit, Herter really struggled, honestly. He was kind of the one guy on the team that really struggled in the entire game, and that's not to be uh, not, not a huge surprise given the fact that he was probably rusty having not played in a basketball game in six-plus months, but uh, I want to put that, out, put that out now, and we'll come back to that in a little bit. Um, couple of rookie moments, actually, in the, first, in the second quarter with uh, Cam Reddish getting a, a defensive three seconds and then DeAndre Hunter turning it over um, on a traveling violation, but then came the the big barrage from Trey Young. Um, in addition to the first quarter, he had 26 points and six assists in the first 16 minutes of action for him in this game. He was 9 of 13 from the floor, 5 of 6 from 3, had no turnovers. It was the highest scoring first half of Trey Young's career, breaking his uh, mark that he set in Chicago last year. Um, it was the first 26-point first half by a Hawk in more than two decades, which is just kind of crazy to talk about in the season opener. Uh, Trey did, did cool off a little bit after this, but his first 16 minutes of action were just basically lights out in every way. Uh, the, mo- the moments that he was uh, making, getting to the rim, drawing fouls effectively, knocking down perimeter jump shots, of course, and including a bunch of deep threes. He was just fantastic. There's no way, there's no other way around that. Uh, Trey was just awesome, really the entire game, but especially in that first 16 minutes of play offensively, just kind of carrying everything for the Hawks team. He definitely had some help, but Trey was the engine, as you might expect, with, with, with those kind of numbers, and he just had it going in a way that um, he, I would say very few guys have the gear that he can get to when he has it going. He's, he played with a ton of confidence, and uh, that is good to see as he leads this team moving forward. The end of the second quarter, though, was not so kind. It was a 12-0 run by the Pistons to end the half, and actually Detroit went, in, went into the locker room leading, which is honestly was pretty deflating. I tweeted this, and I, I still mean it now. Um, with all that happened in the first half, with the way that Trey played, with the way the offense played overall, going into halftime, trailing against a team that was playing without Blake Griffin um, on, on a back-to-back was kind of deflating and kind of brutal, honestly. It was not, not, not the greatest sign in the world. Uh, credit to the Hawks, though, because obviously if you're listening to this podcast by now, you would know that the Hawks came back and won this game uh, and played and play really well. Well, in the second half, Lloyd Pierce credited his team for their basically for their mental toughness in this contest. He was really, really positive about the maturity in which they handled this game throughout this, and I think a lot of that honestly goes to the fact that they that they struggled so much at the end of the first half, went into the locker room down despite playing pretty well, and then came out and took care of business in a way that young teams don't always do. So that was a very, very encouraging swing, despite the fact that the Pistons did take control for a brief moment at the uh, end of the first half. 
It was an 11-man rotation in this game overall. No Damian Jones, no Brandon Goodwin. Everybody else that was active played. Uh, the first half, the Hawks um, allowed a 130.3 defensive rating. That is terrible, just for reference. Uh, 53% from the floor for Detroit and 39% from three for the Pistons. Derrick Rose had a big game for the Pistons in this contest, and that started in the first half. The offense, though, was really, really good, honestly, um, for the Hawks the entire game, but uh, especially in the first half, um, just while we're talking about this now. Yeah, but I, I do think that, you know, obviously coming out of the halftime break, things were uh, not quite as positive, but that kind of kind of changed in a hurry. Honestly, the third quarter was uh, the biggest swing in this game, a 31-18 to quarter in favor of the Hawks. After a slow start on both sides, they were actually scoreless for the first um, two and a half minutes of the first of the second half, I should say. Um, John Collins ended that, though, with a big-time follow-up dunk with authority. That was a nice play from John. Still, the Hawks opened the second half with one of seven from the floor and three turnovers, only two points in about four and a half minutes, but uh, once they got going, they actually picked it up quite a bit. A 6-0 run to, to retake the lead, punctuated by a Trey Young to DeAndre Hunter alley-oop for a dunk, and a great stretch from Bruno Fernando to really help them in this spot. Bruno had struggled mightily in the first half, I thought. Second half, much, much better. Hit a nice, smooth catch-and-shoot three, had a nice, good defensive rotation, made, made a tip-in after that. He uh, had a great stretch there, which is really encouraging for him. There was a weird lineup late in the third quarter that had Kevin Herter, DeAndre Bembry, Evan Turner, Jabari Parker, and John Collins. They switched a lot, though, and that's something we'll come back to in this game. But they played smaller, uh, at least at center. They played big everywhere else for the most part in this game. But uh, that was worth it. We'll come back to it. Jabari Parker, though, also had a huge stretch late in the third quarter with seven straight points. He had 18 points in his first 18 minutes through three quarters, and Jabari was really good in this game. In the fourth, it was a weird lineup to start things off. Uh, there was a lineup to start the fourth quarter that did, that did not have Trey Young, did not have Kevin Herter, did not have John Collins or Jabari Parker. That lineup is not going to work. Uh, those are the first, those are the best four off- offensive players for this team. If they're, if none of those guys are on the court at the same time, if they're all off the court, that's not going to work. And I think Lloyd Pierce probably figured that out pretty quickly. But uh, alas, wanted to point it out. Um, really, the the game kind of ended in some ways when DeAndre Hunter hit a three with about nine minutes to go. To go, up, to go up by 14. The Pistons did threaten a little bit down the stretch. There was a clock issue, and uh, that, that was really kind of brutal to watch as a fan. Um, and I'm sure it was just kind of like maddening for everybody at home. Um, eight minutes to go in this game. The clock issue kind of knocked out everything. There was a long delay, killed all the momentum. Unfortunately, the Hawks didn't give up the game after that. That would have been an even bigger storyline. But the Hawks went quiet on offense after that. They didn't score for about three minutes. Um, The Pistons did not play great either offensively during that stretch, but did get within six. There was a nice play, though, after a DeAndre Hunter bucket, then a steal and a dunk from John Collins for a three-point play to effectively effectively put the game away. There was one more time when it got got back to seven. But uh, at that point in time, Bembry finished a floater range shot after a great play from Trey Young, who really made that play happen, drew the attention of the defense, made a pass that not everybody can make, honestly, and found Bembry to uh, pretty much seal it at that point in time. Uh, In the second half, the Hawks played great defense, um, by their standards anyway. It's worth pointing out that Detroit did help them out quite a bit in some ways, but the Hawks, it was definitely just a stark difference between the first half and second half defensively in this game. I mentioned before, the Pistons had a 130 offensive rating in the, second, in the first half with 53% from the floor. In the second half, the Pistons shot 10 of 39, which is 26% from the floor. 26% from the floor in the second half for the Pistons with nine turnovers, and they were two of 18 from three. Now, not all those shots were contested. Again, there's a little bit of Detroit struggling a little bit defen- uh, offensively in the second half, but the Hawks played much, much better defensively, including a bunch of switching. Lloyd Pierce credited that quite a bit. Um, his ability, his team's ability to switch defensively as a big key in the second half. I totally agree with that. I think it, I think it changed the game. 
for the Hawks to play a little bit smaller with Collins at center and kind of switch almost everything. And that was really, really uh, vital in allowing them to play better defense in this game. And that, some of it's matchup driven as well. But the Hawks were, you know, credit to them for playing great defense in the second half. Uh, it was a stark contrast in the first half. And because the offense cooled off, they really needed the defense to step up. And that and they went ahead and did that. The Hawks did um, score reasonably efficiently in the second half. They shot 51% from the floor. They did not light it up from three, though. They, got, they uh, cooled off there and turned the ball over a little bit more than you would want to in the second half. But the defense did the lion's share of the work after the halftime break. And uh, that allowed them to uh, get the win. So, I know that's a long, sprawling discussion of what the big picture themes were in this game, but at the end of the day, a 117-100 win for the Hawks. Um, offensively, 117 kind of speaks for itself in some ways. Um, the off, Sort of on a possession-by-possession by, by possession basis, it wasn't always incredible, but the uh, overall performance was a 120 offensive rating in this game for the Hawks with uh, 51% from the floor, 35.5% from three. They got to the line for 21 attempts, made 86% of those. They had 27 assists to 13 turnovers. That's a great ratio for this Hawks team. So, you know, wire to wire, the offense was good. Um, and very good, I would say. That's you know that's elite level offense. And on the road against a team that you know Detroit's not going to be elite defensively, but they're not going to be terrible either. That's a pretty good performance offensively for this Hawks team. The defense was uh, again um, solid in an overall sense, much better than you would expect this Hawks team to be in an overall sense. A 103 defensive rating. That's very very good on a on a per possession basis. Uh, again, you know no Blake Griffin, but they held Drummond in relative check. He had 21 and 12, but it wasn't like he was dominating this game. Derrick Rose got loose a bunch to the tune of 27 points, and Luke Kennard had some moments as well. But um, they held they held the guys they needed to hold in check. For the most part, you know, Reggie Jackson was really bad in this game, for instance. But um, the Hawks played well, and uh, they got they got the win as a result of that. So I know that's a lot of words to uh, say and sort of attribute to this game, but uh, it was a nice win, obviously, for this Hawks team. And after a short break, we'll come back with our customary individual breakdowns of what um, each guy did on this night. So stay tuned for that. All right, and we're back to talk about individual players. We'll start on the bench, as we often do in this space. Uh, the guy who played the least in this contest was Vince Carter. Ten minutes from Vince. Did not score. He was plus ten, which is not a coincidence in full. Lloyd Pierce, as usual, praised Vince quite a bit. Um, there was one play that he referenced where Vince had this ball fake that found and, and created an open shot for a big-time shot that the Hawks needed at that point in time. That still can be overrated at times, but I think Vince just played solidly. You know, he wasn't he wasn't fantastic, and he was definitely a supporting piece. He was, he was probably the number 11. 11 man on on the roster in this game but he played 10 minutes and was effective Evan Turner, in his largest minutes to this point in time, played very well. Nine points, four assists, four Turner, four four from the floor. He stayed within himself. He wasn't spectacular, but just made solid plays, played quality defense. That's the kind of game that you want out of Evan Turner. You, you don't want Evan Turner to be a prominent guy for you, really, on, on the offensive end of the floor. But when he's out there, he makes strong decisions. He makes effective decisions. He took, he took care of the ball in this game. They were plus seven when he played, and I thought Turner played about as well as you could hope that he's going to play on a regular basis in this game. I mentioned before, but Bruno Fernando had a hot and cold game in some ways. Seven points, three rebounds, and two assists for Bruno in 14 minutes. His first stint in the first half was pretty brutal, I have to say that. Um, but he was really, really, really good after the half. In the first half, it's worth noting that he wasn't done any favors around him. Uh, he was kind of playing on an island defensively when um, the Hawks had nothing going on on that end of the floor. But in the second half, he was surrounded by, surrounded by some better talent and some better rotational setups for him. And I thought Bruno played uh really well during that second half stretch and they needed him to play that well and I thought again I'm on record as saying that I would be playing Bruno over Damian Jones you could argue that Jones is as good or better at this point in time but the the gap's not that big and I thought that Bruno showed a lot in this game frankly and the upside is just a lot higher with Bruno Fernando he's a guy they invested in so I'm totally on board giving him the minutes and I did that in this game 
Uh, Kevin Herter struggled. He was really the one guy on the team that did not play well in this game. Like, flat out didn't play well. That was not a surprise. Again, he was rusty in this game. You could definitely tell that. Did have five assists, and uh, I thought he improved as the game went on. But he had five fouls in 14 minutes. That's a, a symptom, in my opinion, of a guy who just wasn't necessarily all the way there yet. He is healthy from what they said, because obviously he, he would not be playing if he wasn't. But I think it's worth pointing out that that's a pretty interesting thing to happen to have happen. Kevin's not a high foul player by any means, so I think you just kind of get got to get his legs back, get under him a little bit. He'll have, he'll have a day off on Friday, as the whole team does, before they play again on Saturday, and we'll see how Kevin Herter looks in that game. But a nice surprise, um, maybe not a huge, maybe not a surprise, but a nice encouraging thing that he was able to play in this game, and he had some nice moments. But I thought he was the one guy who really didn't play all that well, and that's understandable, obviously, given the circumstances. Um, Otherwise, on the bench, Bembry uh, played well, I thought. 24 minutes. Uh, he had eight points, three assists, two steals, two rebounds. It was a very DeAndre Bembry game. He didn't do a ton offensively. He was four for five from the floor, but efficient. Misses only three-point attempt, but that's okay. I thought Bembry was act- active. He played good defense, as he always does. And it was a very sort of subtle, understated game for Bembry, and that's fine. He just fits in a lot of ways, and I think he should play uh, this much or more in the absence of Herter as a full-strength player, and he uh, played well in this contest. Finally, Jabari Parker, I mentioned before, had a great stretch in the first three quarters. He was quiet in the fourth, but that was okay. 18 points on 11 shot attempts. That's great for Jabari. Uh, it was kind of a perfect Jabari game in the fact that he, he had one rebound and did nothing else. No, no assists, no steals, no blocks, um, one foul. It was a very, you know, sort of one-sided game, but in a good way. He was efficient he was efficient offensively. I thought the defense was pretty decent from Parker. They switched. He wasn't great. He had some nice moments. He had some weak moments. But if you can get a, a, a non-glaringly bad defensive performance from Parker on a night that he's playing this good on, on offense, that is a massive win for Jabari. To the starters, um, Cam Reddish played the least, 21 minutes of all the starters. He was 0-6 from the floor, which means, you know, if you just saw, if you if you just saw the box score in this game, you would not assume that Reddish played particularly well because of the shooting. And I do think that he, he settled for some jump shots that he probably doesn't need to settle for. He took five threes. They weren't all bad shots, but one or two of those were kind of questionable shot attempts. But defensively, I thought he played very, very well. I've always liked his defense. I think his defense is far ahead of his offense at this point in time, and it showed in this game. He had some really, really impressive defensive reads and some uh, uses of his hands. He had a steal. He had seven rebounds. He had an assist. I thought Reddish you know, wasn't fantastic, but defensively played well, and offensively it'll come. He's uh, in a role that's probably too big for him at, at this particular moment on NBA court, but that's okay. You know, he's been thrust into that role. I do think if Kevin Herter is healthy, he's a starting shooting guard, but at the, at the same time, Reddish did not, you know, stand out like a sore thumb for the most part in this game. I thought he played pretty pretty solidly, except for the uh, inefficient shooting. Alex Lynn was not great, um, was not terrible either. 4.6 rebounds, two steals, a block shot, and an assist. You know, nationally, it's become sort of a, almost a joke that, that Lens is starting center on the Hawks. I, I've heard some people make that make that kind of joke in the last couple of days in preparation for the season. I do think that Len is in a bigger role than he should be on, on a playoff-level team, but he is still the best center on this team by a pretty significant margin, so they'll be playing him. 24 minutes is about right for Alex Len, and that kind of is, tells a picture of what happens here. You know, Len played 24 minutes, Bruno played 14 minutes. That means there was 10 minutes left over for John Collins at center. That makes a lot of sense. 24, 14, and 10 is a pretty good split for how I would be looking to use the center rotation, have the two centers play, you know, three quarters of the game, and have Collins play a little bit at center, and that, that's kind of how you do that, and it's going to be working, I think, throughout the season in, that, in a pretty similar fashion. But as for Len... It wasn't great. He misses only two three-point attempts, which which would have made it better if he made one or, one or two of those. But he just, you know, he was out there. He wasn't great. Obviously, Drummond is better than him in a lot of, in a pretty significant way. But uh, Lynn wasn't embarrassing, and he held up in a decent way 
in this spot. Um, DeAndre Hunter was very good in his debut, no surprise. 14 points, 2 rebounds. Didn't have the box score stats on defense, but I thought he played pretty well on the end of the floor as well. 5-8 five, five, from the floor, 2-3 of three from 3, 2-2 two of two from the free throw line, and also Lloyd Pierce gave the best quote of the night. He was asked by Sarah Spencer of the AJC, and I saw this on the broadcast after the game, about the rookies, and uh, <laughs> Pierce started off by saying, and I'm quoting now, DeAndre Hunter is not a rookie. He is a very composed individual, end quote. So, <laughs> pretty funny. Uh, Pierce had a smile on his face, but you know it's something that I think is pretty telling. He's been very, very effusive in his praise of Hunter to this point in time, but this is a guy who just played his first his first NBA game, and Lloyd Pierce came out and said, De- DeAndre Hunter is not a rookie. That's pretty crazy, in a good way. Um, Hunter is, of course, older than a typical rookie would be in today's NBA, but at the same time, he just plays like a like someone who's not a rookie. I tweeted that during the game, like just during a live play off the top of my head. It's a really, really good compliment of DeAndre Hunter that you would not know he's a rookie, and you just absolutely would not know. Um, occasionally, he'll probably have a rookie moment along the way, but he's just a very mature guy. He seems to be um, ready to go. And uh, it wasn't flashy, but he played well in this game, and I thought he was a very, very important part. It was not a coincidence that he was, he had the best plus-minus in this game, and I thought Hunter was very good. Uh, John Collins, same thing, 18 points, 10 rebounds, two steals and a block and an assist. I think Collins has had better offensive games. Like He wasn't spectacular on offense. He was very good. He was very solid. He was very like very much like John Collins. 18 and 10 is a pretty on-brand John Collins performance, but I thought that his defense was pretty good in this game. He had a nice highlight reel block on the, on the weak side that I, re- that I made sure to reference on Twitter, but I thought Collins played hard. I thought he played within the system. In the first half, there were highs and lows, I think, defensively, but especially when, when they were dialed in and switching in the second half, you kind of saw the theoretical um, ability of, of Collins to anchor the defense as a center. He's not going to be a, a high-end shot blocker, rim protector at the rim compared to like seven-foot centers, but John Collins can play that role. He played with good intensity defensively in this game. I thought it was a very, very strong, well-rounded game from Collins. I thought he played well. And they needed it. Obviously, there will be games when he is a uh, when he's scoring more than 18 points. But 18 and 10 with uh, solidish defense and some playmaking is a pretty on brand and very very good John Collins performance. And last but not least, of course, Trey Young, who was fantastic in this game, 38 points, nine assists, seven rebounds. Um, did have six turnovers, which is okay, I think, for, given what all the all those stuff that he did in this game. 11 of 21 from the floor, six of 10 from three, 10 of 12 from the free throw line. And I lied a second ago and said that Hunter had the best plus minus. It was actually Trey at plus 17. Um, 37 minutes is a lot, but I, I think it's not too crazy for this team. Obviously, when he leaves the floor, they're going to be a lot worse. Um, so through one game, the Hawks are plus 17 with Trey on the court and even with him off the court. Now, even with him off the court is a massive win. I will say that. I tweeted that during the game as well, but I'll say it again now. I do think that that's a huge win in the big picture. But um, back to Young himself, he was fantastic. Obviously, he was the engine in the first half. He went through a spell in about, for about a quarter and a half, and I think he had like three or four points. It wasn't like he was uh, dominating offensively as a scorer in the second half, but he was under control. He Everything ran through him, as always. His foul drawing is just so advanced. 12 free throw attempts is what you want to see from him as a great free throw shooter, and he's able to control his body, just be under control, and just be very, very solid in addition to being spectacular. That may not make a ton of sense to you, but... Uh, the combination that you would want from Trey Young is the spectacular, but also keeping the floor high. And I thought this this was a game where he had both. Uh, and defensively, I thought he wasn't quite as good as he was at times in the preseason, but at the same time, it was much, much better than it was last season on the whole. And I think he comp- I think he competed defensively. There were some nice moments. He uses physicality a little bit better than he has in the past. And it was definitely an A-plus game from Trey Young. If he, obviously, he's not going to average 38, 9-7, and seven, but if he can give you that on a, semi, on a semi-regular basis, which I think he can, that kind of performance, it's going to obviously go a long way towards helping his team. And he's clearly the number one option offensively, and he should be. And uh, he showed off an all-star level ceiling 
ceiling in this game, obviously. So uh, if he can keep doing that, the Hawks will be in great shape. We'll see if he, how he fares against Orlando, a team that he struggled against in the past on Saturday in a game where it's a little, probably a little bit more of a level playing field talent-wise. And Orlando's been a kryptonite for the Hawks, so we'll see how they look in that game. But for the most part, everybody um, played well for the most part in this game. Trey Young was spectacular. Everybody else was solid or better for the most part. And yeah, there you go. That's the anatomy of a uh, 117 to 100 victory. I will not always do 25 plus minutes on games uh, by myself, but it was the opener. There was lots of things to talk about in this game, and uh, you know the Hawks are one to know. That's a very good start. I talked about a lot about how, how about how hard the schedule was in the first you know month and a half for the Hawks. I will say that this game was a little bit on the easier side of that, but at the same time you got to win this kind of game. This is the kind of game you have to win. I think it was Dan Weiner of ESPN that tweeted this out. If I'm stealing this for somebody else, I apologize. But I, I believe Dan said, you know, I'm not saying the Hawks are going to make the playoffs because I'm not saying that either. But if, the, if they were going to make the run towards high 30 wins, this is the way to do it. You have to win this kind of game. when you. It's, it's kind of a coin flip in Vegas. The other team is shorthanded, shorthanded back-to-back, all that stuff. And the Hawks had a full rest. They came out. They played well. And uh, aside from about a two-minute stretch at the end of the second quarter, they really dominated this game. They won, they won by 17 points, and they had a tw- they gave up a 12-0 run. So if you took that out of the mix, they would have kind of dominated the entire game. So, yeah, a really, a really, really positive night in uh, almost every way for, for this Hawks team. And you can't really ask for more than that from the season opener for a team that already had a lot of buzz. It's only going to get louder after this game. That's a lot of fun. So with all that said... Thank you for listening. If you're a new listener, welcome to the podcast. I really, really appreciate you jumping on board. We will be here all the time. If you missed uh, anything from the from this week of podcasts, they're still relevant at this point in time. I had Robbie Calland of Uprock Sports and Dime in for a two-part podcast earlier this week. Also had Jeff Siegel of Early Bird Rights and Dime and other places, Peachtree Hoops as well, for two different podcasts this week. So I had a, kind of a jam-packed week. And uh, please go back and subscribe and listen to those podcasts. Please tell a friend about the show as well. We're not going to have a new show on Saturday morning because of the game Saturday night, but I will come back on a weekend post game on Saturday, probably from the arena, but if not from the arena, from back from my home studio, but I will be in the building Saturday night for the home opener. There should be a nice atmosphere in that game. And we'll talk to you at that point in time. So once again, please subscribe to the show and we'll see everybody on Saturday night.